0: Welcome to Silent Symptoms, a Black mental health podcast. I am your host, Katasso Fridge, a Florida based therapist. This podcast focuses on mental health, stigmas, and social injustices that affect the Black community. This podcast was created to bring awareness about mental health and can be used as an educational guide, but this is not to be used as a replacement for seeking help from a therapist. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hi, welcome to Silent Symptoms of Black Mental Health Podcast. Today on the pod, we have Keisha Reeves, and I'm so excited because we're going to be talking about maternal mental health, something that's super important, especially in the Black community, because we really don't discuss maternal mental health. We think that it's non-existent, and it does exist. So Keisha, just tell them a little bit about yourself and who you are and what you do.
1: Well, I am a licensed professional counselor, and I have a private practice that's in Dunwoody. I specialize in maternal mental health, so I kind of deal with the whole gamut of women who are trying to conceive, who are pregnant, um, who are transitioning into that fourth trimester, who experience infertility, infant loss, as well as postpartum depression. And then moms who just struggle just in general, they may not have, like, postpartum depression per se, but just the piece of becoming a mother can be difficult for them and navigating their career or not having great support systems. So all of that um, is my specialty and what I do in my practice.
0: That is amazing because you don't see a lot of people who just specialize in maternal mental health, because it's such a difficult conversation to have, and not a lot of people address it or not a lot of people go to therapy for those issues that I have. In Um, how would you describe maternal mental health? What is that? I
1: would kind of describe it just as any piece of the maternal cycle, so from trying to conceive all the way up until motherhood motherhood even as far as like becoming an empty nester when your kids go out off to college um i think it's something just like you said it's not something that's pretty common where people specialize in but it's needed just because society kind of presents as if women have children it's their job it's what their plumbing is designed so you know, why would you have any issues with it? You know what to do. you know, you're built with the instincts. Of course, you're a love and important child. Of course, breastfeeding will be simple and easy. but reality is it's not, <laughs> you know like it, it's hard. And although having a baby, of course it's a blessing. It's amazing, it's a gift, but it also comes with its struggles and we live in a world where not to say that children are a burden, But the responsibility is placed on the mother oftentimes and men have the privilege to opt out of fatherhood or to continue with their lives rather socially or career wise. And women have to figure out how to multitask and to juggle and a lot of times put their needs last. So it's difficult on the psyche and how they can kind of travel that journey
0: yeah absolutely I just like how you you defined everything because we do live in a society of people expecting a woman to conceive the first time that they try or when a woman gets pregnant it's inevitable that they're gonna be a great mother or they're not gonna suffer it's like in our DNA to know what to do I mean the love is there instantly but at the same time when it comes throughout pregnancies because all pregnancies look different because when we look at television when we look at what's going on in the world it's presented as a beautiful thing but for some women it's very daunting it's a difficult process and some women feel guilty because they're not enjoying the pregnancy or the pregnancy is not going as well so they're just blaming themselves and and we go as far as the mortality rates when women you know, go into the hospital for some complications and they don't believe that they have a pain of nine out of 10. Like, why would a black woman have such pain? So, and that's another barrier that we have. It's a lot of difficulty as far as, you know, when mothers go into the hospital or when they're about to give birth. So, you know, black women are four times more likely to actually, have complications with their pregnancy, um, dying during pregnancy or during childbirth. Like how can we as clinicians have the conversation publicly so people are aware of their rights. People are aware of what they need to do to advocate for themselves as mothers. Mm-hmm.
1: I often incur- encourage my African-American moms to first be very educated on their whole reproductive health. Um okay. to- encouraged and empowered to ask questions and if they feel as if their practitioners aren't supporting them adequately to feel comfortable with switching in the midst of their pregnancy so mm-hmm. even for five months if you feel like you're not being heard if your doctor is not giving you adequate time to ask questions if you are worried about complications um, and they're not really like interested or doing adequate research in your medical background it's okay to find another OBGYN. Just because you sign up for them doesn't mean they have to deliver your baby. You can switch. And if you have an internal instinct of something is not right, or you don't feel like, you know, they're really paying attention to it, go with your gut instinct. Um, The practice of medicine is what it is. It's a practice. And, you know, we've kind of thought that, well, doctors, you know, they know all they know best. I'll just follow their lead. Well, they said, I need a C-section. So let me just, you know, go with what they say, but you know, your body (laughs) and and you know how you feel and you know, your symptoms Mm -hmm. and go with that. And I remember when Serena Williams had that article and she was talking about how she almost died after she had her doctor, I had her baby and she has a medical diagnosis and she was trying to explain to the nurse, that she needed to have an IV and she needed them to do all of these things to treat what her symptoms were. Okay. And they were like, oh, you know, you're fine. You know, just go lay down. No, nothing's wrong, you know. And she had, and this is Serena. So this is someone who has, you know, some clout. You know, she has money. She has status. <laughs> and millions. they were, Right, millions. <laughs> and not even listening to her. So imagine someone who's from a lower sexual economic status, who's on Medicaid perhaps, who may not be as educated, and they're trying to tell their nurses and doctors, this isn't right. I think you guys need to do this for sure, you know, not feeling like they're being heard. And the statistics are there for Black mothers where compared to white women who have children, their mortality rate is significantly high. And it's from all of that. It's from practitioners having bias, not being educated, and for patients not feeling like they can advocate for themselves.
0: Yeah, I think that's an all-around issue Mm -hmm. because... You know, I I say self advocacy is very important. We always have people on our team, especially in the hospitals, because I also work in the hospital as well. It's a totally different dynamic. If you're not educated about your diagnosis, if you're not educated about what you want as an individual, you're never going to get to where you want to get to because they want to make decisions for you. Right. And if I come there, I'm a pregnant woman. I don't know what's going on. This is my first pregnancy. I know I don't feel right. Something's just wrong. And then a doctor tells me, oh, don't worry about it. This is part of the symptoms. Move on, come back people lose their lives because of things like that that's just part of like you said education about your reproductive system things that you know like if you have i mean i know plenty of people who've gone into a hospital for different things especially black men and women and when you get there they think that they think that we're pill chasing they feel like we're looking for the next high it's really a complicated process because if i go in there and i tell you well I can't have morphine. I'm supposed to have this because I have complications. Oh, you just looking for that particular medication. Right. And it's a difficult thing. And especially in a pregnancy, that is the most delicate time. That is the most precious time for women. And you know, even if like I know that it's it's so difficult. Like this is also the importance of also having a partner who's willing to advocate for you if you do have one. You know, because advocacy from them, because sometimes like the nurses have a lot of pushback um, because they feel like you don't know what you're talking about. I've seen this scenario. Every scenario is different. When your partner also chimes in and says, yes, she told you she needs this. Is there any way I can speak to your doctors to get this done? And sometimes I read an article where they were saying, okay, if doctors refuse to do something for you that you specifically ask for medically, ask them to write in your chart." Write it in the in the. I refuse. Yeah. (laughs) To give them that medical treatment. So if something happened to you, Mm -hmm. they are held accountable. And at nine times out of ten, if you tell them to do that, because they're like, "Oh, she must know what she's talking about," they will do exactly what you're asking for. And I don't understand why we have to even go through that. Why is that even a process for Black people? And you know, the mortality rate is just astronomical. It is. It is compared to our white counterparts, especially if we live in a first world country.: mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like we have statistics of third world countries.
1: So. Oh, we do. There was um, like to piggyback off of what you said, so mm-hmm. the Harvard School of Public Health, they put out a study and it was saying... 700 to 900 new and expectant mothers die in the U.S. each year. An additional 500,000 experience life-threatening postpartum complications. Now with African-American women, they are three to four times more likely to die during or after delivering than white women. And yeah. so there was this um, research study that they did in South Carolina mm-hmm. at Chapel Hill, and it was called uh, The Circle. And it's at this OBGYN practice because South Carolina was starting to increase, um, along with Texas and Georgia and all the other southern states. And so where they had it was moms could book their appointments where they would be in a group with maybe five to six other mothers. And so they would sit in a circle and then all the practitioners, including the nurses at the practice would be on the outer circle. So they were kind of facing each other. And they had like an hour and a half to two hours to ask as many questions as they felt comfortable with asking, even sharing tips and resources with each other. So it created this environment where they didn't feel, mothers didn't feel rushed. Or they didn't feel like, well, my question may be stupid or they're not going to have time or even just hearing someone else share about their experience, it kind of sent off a red flag for them. Like, oh, well, let me, you know, have a lookout for this in case this comes up for me. Mm-hmm. And they noticed that the mortality rate and complications decreased by 12%. Which wow. Was, yeah, pretty significant within like a nine month period. And that was just like a group effort, you know, between mothers and petitioners.
0: Absolutely. And that's what we need. Because at the end of the day, you have to have the practitioner on your side, willing to help you in any way possible. Especially, I think that the advantage when you have a relationship with a practitioner so they know you as a patient for an extended period of time, that's when they're more than likely to listen to you. But if you're somebody just new on their caseload, however you want to describe it, it's really difficult for them to really trust you. Because I know doctors who say, well, I don't know you as a patient, so I can't give you this, so I can't talk to you about that because I don't know you, I have to observe you. And I understand that we have to observe people because we have to be able to preserve our licenses and we make sure we keep it intact. However, if a patient is saying, hey, I have these complications, can you help me? Mm -hmm. Right. We have to find creative ways, like you said, with the circle. We have to find ways to incorporate mothers and practitioners and people just to think beyond just the scope of, okay, somebody is chasing something or let's not worry about it. That pain is not really valid because we know, oh, that's just Brexton Hicks. You'll be okay. And it's like, I'm not used to this and they may be something else. Can I come here and figure it out without you getting irritated with me? Yeah. 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 And I think that's the most difficult thing. So in the black community, cause I always like to talk about postpartum depression. Um, this is a topic that is not talked about and I've had friends who have experienced it and they will not believe by their partners or their family members. They were just told you are acting crazy. So what is part of de- uh, postpartum depression and how can we give education to, you know, the women in the black community that are experienced Are experiencing this and what are the symptoms they need to look out for?
1: Postpartum is something that is can be a little bit complex as far as trying to really understand it because it can look like several different things. Mm -hmm. Um, But definitely after a mother gives birth to her baby within those first two weeks, if she's experiencing crying spells or just not feeling like herself, that's common. That's called baby blues. pregnant her hormones are at like a all-time high and as soon as she gives birth those hormones just crash so there's that imbalance and she can just be emotional so that's normal but it's when those symptoms last past those two weeks and you're going into that fourth week and you're crying for no reason and you may not feel like you're bonding with your baby or you are but you're having like extreme anxiety or you just have this cloud of a feeling and you don't understand why, there's no triggers for it, Mm -hmm. that can be postpartum depression. And with postpartum depression, fortunately, in screening for it as a practitioner, when a woman is pregnant, there's a lot of risk factors that can contribute to it. So definitely doing some postpartum planning can be preventative and helpful. Mm -hmm. So a history of bipolar um, disorder or generalized or just any type of anxiety disorder or if she just has any type of schizophrenia or something like that those yeah. are things to be like okay we need to make sure we put some things in place you know for you mm-hmm. preventative but even from a diagnosis standpoint if there's just been a lot of change in mom's life like mm-hmm. she moved, lost her job she's having financial stressors Her partner is no longer in her life. She has no support system. She has to go back to work sooner than she expected. Um, Her baby may have some complications. Just tons of different risk factors that can contribute to her having postpartum depression. So there's that piece where it could be that hormonal or chemical imbalance, Uh where it's a lot of environmental factors that all compiling on together. Along with that, that can contribute for her postpartum depression. And to get rid of the stigma, a lot of people think, "Well, if I have postpartum depression, that means I want to kill my baby." And I don't feel that way, so I must not have
0: it. Oh gosh, (laughs) that's
1: that's not what it is. Yeah. So, like postpartum depression, as far as like with the DSM five, is changing from being called postpartum depression to perinatal mood and anxiety disorder. Mm -hmm. And there's so many layers of it, so that what, for example, Angela Yates, who's kind of looked at as the face of postpartum depression because she did drown her children, unfortunately. What she had was postpartum depression with psychosis. Yeah. A long history of psychological mental diagnoses, whereas someone may have postpartum depression where it's just the depressive symptoms or have it with anxiety um, disorder or have it with obsessive compulsive disorder. So there's different levels to it. But, you know, the theme of what we're talking about is just being educated to know where you fit in and what type of treatment is best suited for you.
0: Yeah. We already had a hard time just going to therapy in general. Mm-hmm. So now adding that layer and post baby, I think it's just the most, like I say, the most delicate time for a mother and having those supports is like super important and, it's difficult. And no, nobody wants to kill their baby when they have postpartum depression, but there are times of feeling overwhelmed. And there's nothing wrong with asking somebody to relieve. Or, you know, I know that some practitioners, especially in the hospital, they tell mothers, okay, if you're feeling overwhelmed and frustrated with your baby, it's okay to let them cry, leave them really quick for a little bit. You take a time out And then you come back to your baby because as soon as you start rocking them and doing all this stuff while you're frustrated, it's not really helpful in the process because the babies can actually feel your frustration. And I think that, you know, yeah, like you said, basic education of what to look for. But like it can look different for people who have a long history of mental health diagnoses, people who come into the situation unwillingly or didn't want to be pregnant there are like a lot of factors that come with postpartum depression but i think that is really important for the black community in general because i always advocate for them because sometimes like we don't educate ourselves enough or people don't give us enough information for us to know yeah especially when we're new As uh, new as something. So, as far as like, I wanna know more about like maternal health in the process. So, during like the pregnancy process, um, what kind of work do you do with the mothers while they're pregnant?
1: Definitely doing work with identifying who and what the supports are. Um, Sometimes people get stuck in the fact of that's having a husband or a boyfriend you know, it's not limited to them. Sometimes moms are just single mothers and support can be family members, friends, neighbors, church, um, going to a support group, having a doula, um, just a variety levels of support. And so being able to identify those and then being able to kind of acknowledge what symptoms they're experiencing and kind of like we were talking about risk factors, um, a lot of the times issues that may have come up when a woman went through her childhood and she may felt like she dealt with her, it may feel like she's okay. And then she's pregnant and then they're kind of resurfacing. Like if she has a history of any type of abuse or if her mother wasn't in her life, um, if her mother may have passed away or something like that, then it could kind of resurface. So kind of dealing with those feelings of anxieties and any type of pressures they may be feeling on them themselves or even kind of worrying about work. I've, had a client who worked herself up to get to like a managerial position and her supervisor pulled her to the office and told her when she comes back from maternity leave she may consider stepping down from her position because their company has to come first basically over her child and if she doesn't feel like she could do that in that role then she may need to come step down and of course that triggers some anxiety you know for her yeah. <laughs> because like that's That's my paycheck. And I've been working
0: hard for this. HR. So let's hurry up and go to human resources really quickly because this is just, it's very, very, very upsetting when people have to experience that. Especially, like, kind of like, I don't know if you watched the Serena Williams documentary. Oh, I haven't watched it yet, yeah. Okay, she was just going through the process of being a mother and, you know, having to get back into tennis and then her coach was, like, pressuring her, like, you have to come back because, you know, she lost her title in the process. Why can't she secure a title while she's pregnant or out on maternity leave? Mm -hmm. So she had to start all the way from scratch after being the world champion so that was like a big issue for her and then moving forward having a you know play tennis and breastfeeding so because her boobs had so much milk they were weighing her down so she wasn't able to you know play as fast as she did and the pressure was you have to stop breastfeeding like now if you want to continue to win that's a really difficult thing here you are you're a mother and you're a world champion, and you kind of feel like you have to choose between two things that are so important to you. So what do you do? Right. do,
1: you
0: do? And as she was continuing to breastfeed, she just kept doing it. She kept losing. She kept losing. Just losing. So, and her, her speed wasn't there. Her agility wasn't there because your body changes after you have a baby and she was worried about her weight gain it was, there were a lot of factors and layers and her culture was like you have to stop breastfeeding and she has to stop breastfeeding baby. and that's the hardest part about being a working mother a hard part of trying to figure out what really matters
1: yeah it is it's super hard um so we talk a lot about those things that can be triggering and then also do a lot of postpartum planning I'm a huge advocate for that because mm-hmm. I think um people just in general in the world we're so focused on the baby we have the baby shower we have the gender reveals you know <laughs> but no one's talking about okay so mom
0: <laughs> you know what do you do after
1: right like how can we help her like how can we be there for her it's always about the baby and so when we do our postpartum planning we're talking about meal planning how that's gonna work you know after the baby, or if they have children in the home already and they're just bringing in an additional child, what's that gonna look like? who's going to be caring for them? being able to recognize symptoms, what support groups are available and around your area? who is a, a support system? Oh. how is work going to be able to support you? when do you have to go back? How are you going to be dealing with the child care? Just kind of thinking about all of those things so it can create some ease. And then when it when they come and they're faced with it, they don't feel so overwhelmed.
0: Yes. And I, I think we forget. And that's super, super important because a lot of times we feel like we have it all together because we have all the supplies for the baby. And then it's like, okay, but how much is childcare gonna be if you have to go back to work? Is it a single income? are you in, are you in a marriage? Okay. You guys have two incomes, but you know, when you're in maternity, like you don't always get your full paycheck. Are you going to do short-term disability? Is it going to be six weeks? Are you going to be gone for three? You know, there's so many factors that we forget as parents. Cause we're like, Oh, I'm going on maternity leave. And that's that. But what comes with that? Because there's going to be a time, especially a new mother needs a break. Mm-hmm. So that comes with support systems and people who are around. So what about the people who don't have clear supports? Do you find resources as well? Because some people just don't have support systems.
1: Right. There's a lot of great resources. For example, I just went to this awesome place that I discovered. It's called Haven Hog House. And it kind of felt like a net. It felt like, you know how those are all those co-working spaces that are popping up It felt like a co-working space for mothers. Wow. So it's like a big, large indoor place. You just kind of drop in. There's Wi-Fi. there's coffee, there's tea. You can bring a lunch. There's other mothers that's there and your baby can be able to play with other kids. And it's from zero to three years old. So it's not like it's big kids, but it's just for those early stages. Mm -hmm. And you can connect with other mothers and have that community feeling. So something like as simple as that, just so that you don't feel isolated yeah. and you can other mothers or like Atlanta Birth Center does a MotherWise group that's for free. You can come drop in and be able to talk to other mothers and a clinician typically runs the group. So you can be able to get some referrals if you need something for further. So we talk about what's available and there's a lot available, but sometimes we don't know what's available until we like research and ask for it. But there's a lot of free support that's out there if it's not family or friends
0: yeah so can I get into something so amazing you're push through brand, <laughs> and I want to know more so that people can know what you're doing because I feel like it's so unique and I just love what you're doing because I like I would like I love saying clinician going against the grain <laughs> so how are you going against the grain with push through
1: Well, after I had my son, I had my own trials and tribulations Mm -hmm. with motherhood. Um, You know, we're evolving as women where a lot of us are having children in our 30s versus Mm -hmm. maybe in our parents' day when they were like 18 or 20. So we live year, 30-something years of being a single person coming and going as you please. And so, you know, you may want a child. It's still a huge adjustment because you have this being that's completely dependent upon you and you have all of these dreams and aspirations and like Serena trying to figure out how to balance both of them. And we, my husband and I didn't have much support. He worked away a lot. Um, our parents weren't available and our friends are far away from us. So it was just me by myself <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> as a first time. Yeah, my- mom. Yes. And my son also had colic. So he cried all the time and he never slept I had extreme sleep deprivation which sleep deprivation could trigger anxiety and depression all that all of that that. Psycho, yeah yeah psychosis (laughs) and so I was just like in it like just in it and so (laughs) I said I wanted to create a box for mothers where there were items to help them heal and also encourage them, but also provide mental health tips. Because I was breastfeeding, so there were things that I didn't know that were available. Like I knew about nipple creams to help with healing, but I didn't know that there were ice packs that you could put on them that could help ease some of the pain. Or I didn't know about um, certain washers you could use for your vagina, you know, to help cleanse it. You know, I just
0: didn't, I didn't even know what a sitz bath
1: was until I was getting discharged.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This is the stuff they're supposed to be prepping you for during pregnancy, not after. And you have like two days in the hospital all. yeah so um uh, so
1: I started the box collaborated with different companies and each month there's six different items for mom that goes into the box and the mental health tips each month has like a different theme like how to combat anxiety how to combat stress and so that's really helpful and then from the box um I kind of started like a community of other women who felt like oh my gosh this was so needed i wish you know this was something that i had when i was pregnant and it's different than like all of the subscription boxes that are out there because there's mental health tips that are in there there's
0: yeah more- <laughs> the mental health tips is that something that you come up with or are the different companies that you collaborate with so the box come through you you do your mental health tips or uh-huh. and then put them in-
1: yeah. yeah. And then it's six different companies, and they're all female owned mother companies. And they'll all bring <laughs> um, their different products to go in the box. And then I'll add in my mental health tips and then ship it out to customers.
0: Wow. So, pe- can mothers get it prior to pregnancy or afterwards?
1: Um, there's three different options. They can get a single box if they just want to try it out for one time. There's even a push gift option if people want to get it as like a. Baby shower gift,
0: Um, gift,
1: (laughs) yes. And then they can also get a four months subscription, so that will cover them the month before they give birth, and then three months after for that fourth trimester.
0: Oh my gosh! So that is amazing. So how can people get to know you? How can they reach you? Give them your social media, so they could check out, push through, so they could check out you as a clinician. So drop everything so they can. Um,
1: <laughs> my website is keishareads Um, my clinician Instagram is keisha underscore reads, and then for push through, it's push through box. Um, those are both the Instagram. And p- through is T H R U, of course. Push through box, and we're also having our first annual conference in September that I'm super excited about for push through. Oh and my yeah. gosh, that is
0: very yeah. exciting.
1: It's for moms to be and also veteran season moms, but I didn't want it to feel like a conference where it's like you know you have your pen and paper and you're in this cold air
0: conditioned watching a PowerPoint. We're not Um, doing that. We're doing some updated millennial stuff.
1: (laughs) My idea of it is like a day party meets a conference. Awesome. So there's a DJ. um, There's going to be facials, photo shoots, makeup artists but there's also gonna be breakout sessions on like conscious parenting, intimacy after giving birth, how to navigate your career after you go back into the workforce, So a combination of the two. So I'm really excited.
0: This is exciting. I want to know more because I think that this is so important, like togetherness and maternal mental health is not talked about, perinatal mental health is not talked about. I want to know it all. So I'm going to be reaching out to you, still try to find out more information. And I hope more people learn from you and get into maternal mental health so that they can educate more people or be inspired to educate themselves about their needs as parents And dads can join too. So you can always be, you know, educated about what your partner needs or somebody close to you. Uh, So thank you guys so much for tuning in. And thank you so much, Keisha, for featuring on the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Please be sure to like, share, and subscribe to our podcast. You can catch us on Anchor and all your favorite media streams. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Silent Symptoms Podcast. Let us know if you have any feedback or topics that you would like to hear.